and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Luke 7 verse 36, it says this. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Alabaster is like a translucent stone. Um, So an elegant little jar of expensive perfume. And then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet. She wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, if this Jesus guy really was a God man, if he is the Messiah, if he is, has some divine nature to him at all, he would know who's washing his feet and he would stop that right there. If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into this word. Jesus, we love you so much. Um, Father, I just pray for an anointing on today's message. I pray that you'd stir in people's hearts till the soil of their heart. Help them to receive the seed of the truth of your word. Let it grow to produce fruit in our lives. We want to be transformed into the image of your son, Jesus. We want our thoughts to match his thoughts, our words to match his words, our actions to match his actions. We just come in here every week. And uh, just listen to the message, just listen to the scripture, but we don't apply it to our lives. We're foolish. We're deceiving ourselves is what your word says. So help us to take this word and immediately apply it to the character of who we are. We love you. We praise you. It's in your holy and mighty name. Amen. I'm just curious. Do I have any parents in the room who have teenagers? See some hands going up. I think we need to do an altar call for y'all right now. Amen. (laughs) Abigail and I, you know, um, had never been parents before. And, you know, about a year ago, we went on this foster care journey and, you know, becoming resource parent, foster parent, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, Abigail had difficulty getting pregnant and we had this, you know, we, we wanted to, we had, you know, she's so nurturing and we had really have this desire. I mean, we're like, man, we got the resource, we got the space, we got the love to give. Um, uh, maybe we should just bring in kids in the meantime. You know, what are you doing with your waiting? I, I think is a great question we should all be asking ourselves. And honestly, e- e- even if we weren't able, e- even if we were able to have kids, I still think it's something the church needs to consider doing and it's something this church is going to do. Uh, I'm just going to talk about it until people start bringing kids into their home. Amen. So uh, just, just leave the fire there to y'all's feet. But anyways, we, we get certified and we're in our, we, it, it, you know, it's during the COVID time. So we have our virtual classes and something they hammer and talk about all the time is you need to set boundaries for what you're willing and unwilling to take on in this season of life. So, you know, set some boundaries. Are, are, you, are you willing to bring in littles? Are you willing to bring in teenagers? Are you willing to bring in boys? Are you willing to bring in girls? Are there certain ages? And you, because here's the deal, the caseworkers, they, they have these kids who are often getting removed from their homes and their job, they don't care about your preferences. They need to get these kids in homes. So, so they might hold the fire to you to like, hey, I really think like, they, they don't care what your preferences are. Granted, and I'm glad they don't because they have a job to do. 
So, so something our caseworker said is, hey, you need to, whatever, whatever you're willing to bring in, be firm, be firm about that because they don't really care about your preference. And I know it's, listen, I know that's kind of like an awkward conversation, but at the end of the day, I think some is better than none. Amen. So me and Abigail, we have a conversation amongst ourselves and, and we're thinking, you know, what are you willing to take in? What are we, what are we, what can we do in this season? What makes sense for us to do? And we basically came to the conclusion that we're willing to take on just about any demographic of kid except teenage girls. Because <laughs> we, we thought that made sense. You know, we're a younger couple. God forbid any accusations take place or something. And then there's no pastor. And then I'm not helping anybody at that point. And we're just like, yeah, you know, maybe we should just, just in this season of life, let's just stay away from the teenage girl demographic. Church, what is the first kid we bring into our house? A teenage girl. A teenage girl. You go from not being a parent at all. Why didn't y'all warn me? Maybe you did. Maybe you did. Um, and we go from not ever being parents, you know, to the teenage years right away. And uh, what a journey that that was. What a journey that was. Um, so, so we bring her in. And Abigail and I, we kind of have this preconceived notion that it's going to be okay because we're cool parents. <laughs> She's going to love us. We're, we're, we're pretty awesome. You know, like this is going to be this is going to be fine. And, but how many know teenagers, you know, in the, in the world of teenagers, cool parents don't exist. That is not a real, that's not a real thing. So, you know, this is, but this is our first foster daughter. So Abigail and I, when, when she gets into our home, y'all, I can't express, like, we are just oozing with love, you know, like just spoiling this kid, just loving on this kid. We can't even wrap our minds around like we're responsible for you. This is, this is like, we are just like bursting. Like this is incredible. And she's just creeped out. You know, she's just like, y'all need to leave me alone. Who are you? I don't even know you, right? We're like, what do you want? You want another box of cheese? It's whatever you want, I'll give it to you, you know? We just can't help but wanna pour into this girl. We wanna love on this girl. We wanna give this girl everything she needs. We wanna provide for her. We wanna protect her. We wanna make her feel at home. And it's like, this is like what you don't do, Foster Care 101. We're a couple days in, I'm already saying I love you. Like, I can't even restrain myself. She's like, you are the weirdest dude I've ever met. Or like, I'm just like, yeah, I, I'm just bursting. Like, I know, you know, you see me and you're like, you know, big ex-football player, but I'm just this sap, I'm emotional. I'm just like, you know, just, I just want to love you and, and you to feel loved. And Why won't you love me, right? <laughs> We're cool. We're fun. Come on. But really, and, and you know what's cool is, is every kid that we've brought into our home, it's like the Lord just gives you capacity to love the people that you, you bring into your home. And, and it's been like that. I, I remember after she left our house and we were contemplating, you know, are we going to bring in more kids? Is that something we want to do? I remember feeling like, I don't know that I'll like have that same love for someone else that we bring into our home. And surely the Lord's done it all over again with the girls that we have now. And <clears throat> I just want to encourage you guys that he gives you what you need for what he's calling you to step into. Um, <clears throat> yeah, but so we have a teenager. We have, we have a teenager in our house and, and she comes home from school one day and she says, um, I want to wrestle. And I'm like, you know, pretty 14 year old girl 
whatever, maybe a stereotype, but I'm like, you want to wrestle? What do you mean you want to wrestle? It's like, yeah, I, w- I want to wrestle. We're like, oh, okay. You know, I'm thinking, I'm like, I would rather her involved with anything. If she wants to wrestle, I'll let her wrestle. I don't care. I'm like, should we let her wrestle? I'm like, let her wrestle. I don't know. I don't know. As long as she doesn't try to wrestle us, we'll be fine, you know? <laughs> so I, you know, I don't know anything about wrestling. I watched it, you know, when I was in high school, I played basketball. We practiced the same time as the wrestling team. So I just, I knew it was a lot of work. I said, you can wrestle one condition. You can't quit. And she's like, okay, deal. So I'm on Google. I'm looking up reviews on wrestling shoes. I don't even know what to buy. I'm watching YouTube videos on wrestling. How do the points work? Like what is trying to find out? I'm like, man, I'm a, I'm a wrestling dad now, you know, like I gotta, I gotta figure this out. I I gotta get a pair of wrestling shoes. The team, this isn't, this is embarrassing, but the team had warmups. We were the only parents who bought warmup shirts for ourselves so we could wear them. When we watch you talk about being the cool parents, we were the furthest thing from it. it was ridiculous. That wasn't even in my notes. I just remembered that we did that. I don't think we ever wore them though. We, we, <laughs> oh man, man. So we, uh, we, uh, you know, she's, <laughs> she starts practicing and, you know, we, we pick her up from practice and she's getting in the car. She never wrestled before. I don't know if she's done any organized sports, but she's getting in with fat lips and just, you know, she's just getting destroyed at our wrestling practice. And we, you know, but she's hanging in there. We told her she couldn't quit. She's been faithful to it and, and she's in it. So we, um, I remember before the season started, they did like a scrimmage against their own team. And I think she had to wrestle one of like the best wrestlers on their team. And she just gets destroyed at the scrimmage. It's bad. And me and Abigail are like, this is going to be a long season. This is going to be long, but honestly, build character. So bring it on. It's good. And uh, so first wrestling meet, official meet rolls around. There was no one in her weight class. So she automatically makes varsity too. So we're excited. You know, she's, freshmen on the varsity team were like this is awesome we're excited we're in the stands filled with the anticipation but also i'm kind of like cringing because i know she's going to get destroyed in this wrestling match especially now that she's on varsity but it's like whatever this is whatever we're here for it we're watching and we're excited so i want to i want to put a bookmark in that we're at we're at our first wrestling meet so so put a bookmark in that i want to go back to the text really quick We're, we're in chapter seven of luke okay and in luke Verse 36, this whole event that we witness in the scriptures, it's almost a culturally provocative moment where really what this woman is doing is almost inappropriate in the context in which it's happening. So let's just pick up the text back at Luke 7, verse 36. It says this, Pharisees, the religious leaders, right? One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went into his home and sat down to eat. Now, if you spent any time in the Gospels, it doesn't take long to recognize that the Pharisees aren't huge fans of Jesus. Jesus claiming to be God or the Messiah, other people uh, submitting themselves to Jesus's authorities. He's, he's, he's distracting the Pharisees, the, the crowd. They're, they're, they're competing with their audiences. There's confusion. Jesus is stirring up things, right? There's a lot of tension here. 
Jesus also doesn't have any problem confronting the Pharisees on their religiosity and their hypocrisy, right? They're holding people to these impossible standards. Uh, They consider themselves to be clean and important and holy and perfect. And uh, this relationship of Jesus and the Pharisees at times, it, it seems tense. So as you read through the text, to see a Pharisee invite Jesus into his home is is actually kind of unusual that Jesus would enter this home. But y'all know Jesus is for everybody. Amen? And, And I don't know what motivated or prompted Simon to bring Jesus into his home. Um, maybe he had heard Jesus teaching and he heard the authority and power that Jesus communicated with. And and he was, you know, kind of gripped by Jesus's message and said, man, I want to pick your brain. I want to know more. Who, who, who is this man? Jesus, you need to come to my house. I want you to sit and talk with me. I, I don't know if he was just curious about Jesus's divine ability or if he just wanted a closer look. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly why, but we see this Pharisee brings Jesus into his own home for dinner. And we don't fully understand why Simon has Jesus in his house, but Jesus is invited to this banquet style. It's, it's more of a formal dinner that's being hosted in his house. It's being hosted by a religious leader. So part of the qualification to take part in this dinner was to be ritually clean and pure. And that added to the formalism. I may have just made that word up, but of the dinner. Okay. This is kind of aristocratic. This is sort of high class. This is good food. And, and something that's, uh, I I just want to point out to you is they would, some of the texts will say that Jesus was reclining at the table. And this isn't like he was in a sofa, feet kicked up, right? This is, they would lay on their sides on their, on their left arm and their their, their feet would go out and they're kind of laying on these like bed type couches and they're all eating again. It's formal banquet style. It's eloquent. I actually have a picture of people laying on uh, what this may have looked like. You can see they're leaning on their side and their feet. This is a high quality photo. Okay. So take it in. This is what's happening. Now, in this culture, sharing a meal together, this is intimate, especially um, with between ritually observing Pharisees and, and part of what made these moments so intimate, so intimate was their um, concern with ritual purity. So to have someone in attendance who was ritually unclean would just be an utter disruption to the gathering, would spoil the gathering. It was in this kind of setting um, that it was a place not only for community, but for intellectual conversation. This is where a lot of times philosophical thought was exchanged and conversed over. I I imagine Jesus being in the room with some of these Pharisees. There's probably some theological discussion that's taking place. It's uppity. Let me tell you how much I know. Let's talk about how brilliant we are. And again, it's this kind of, it's, it's this eloquent, aristocratic kind of moment where deep conversation is happening. And so Maybe Simon invited Jesus to the dinner to pick his brain on something he heard Jesus teach on. We don't know, but but what we do know is there's this sophisticated moment happening. Uncontaminated by those who are considered unclean. It's just the ritually pure. And man, I really pray that as a church, we're not like this. But my fear is that sometimes 
um, this church setting, church circles can be uh, this environment that, come on, we're just breaking it down. All all the lights, the glory of the Lord just come in the room or (laughs) is that... Y'all are messing up my moment here. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> my fear is sometimes this can be the environment that Christians create. Yeah, you can be at the table if you're clean. Right? I remember when I first got to Evangel University, you know, I went to Evangel University upon graduating high school. And um, you got, I've shared this story with you guys a lot. I was like, kind of like the Jesus freak you know, in my circle of friends back home, but that's because me and all my friends were heathens. So when, when I got, <laughs> it wasn't hard to be the Jesus freak, right? You just had to pray every once in a while. And it was like, man, you're spiritual. I know. Um, but when I got to Evangel on this Christian campus in the middle of the Bible Belt, in, in one of the most biblically minded cities in America, I remember uh, I, there was pressure, like I had to hide who I was because I didn't want to be rejected because I didn't know enough about the Bible. I, I didn't feel, I didn't have everything figured out with my faith behind the scenes. I wasn't really walking it out, but I, I, I specifically remember that weight of trying to hide and I had to change my conversation in certain social circles because, because I, wanted to, I wanted to fit. I, I wanted to be a part, but I knew that there were some parts of me that were unclean. If we're a church that only lets clean people sit at the table, we'll miss the whole mission that Jesus gave us, right? And that's to be a hospital for the sick, not a social club for the clean. So here they are having their formal meal. They've done their washing, their ritual purity stuff. They're they're at the table. They all have the same intellectual ability, they're like, we, we all belong here. And they're in the middle of this deep theological discussion on if tongues is for today and if once saved, always saved is a thing. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not what they were talking about. But here they are in the middle. Come on, y'all didn't think that was funny? <laughs> here they are in the middle of this deep discussion. Most arts playing in the background. <laughs> And the door busts open. And everybody sitting at the table recognizes that's the town prostitute. What is she doing here? She's got a jar in her hand. She doesn't even look at anybody. She just looks at Jesus. She's just weeping. She just approaches Jesus. Now, in the scriptures, it sounds spiritual, but you got to think of how awkward this would be. Like, think about if you're at dinner with your friends, someone busting the door, weeping with a jar of oil, starts pouring it on somebody's feet. Sounds elegant. It's awkward. Every eye turns to the woman who's entering the house, right? Local prostitute. They're shocked at her audacity to defile this dinner but no one can say anything. The woman doesn't look anywhere but at Jesus and she approaches his feet, just uncontrollable sobbing. She takes her expensive perfume that she's probably had to sell her body to afford and she starts to anoint Jesus' feet with the oil. 
while this is happening, Jesus is just kind of observing. And you'll see in the text that as he observes this, he doesn't even look at Simon, but he's listening to the thoughts of Simon the Pharisee. We already read what those thoughts sound like, but let's turn back to the text, Luke 7, verse 37 through 40. It says, when a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. And then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, right? Not out loud. Simon just said to himself, if this man were really a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And then listen, it says, then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher. Simon said, meanwhile, Jesus' feet are still being washed. There's this woman uncontrollably sobbing. Jesus has to talk a little louder just so they can have some dialogue here. Just when Simon was on the verge of accepting that this man they call Christ truly was perhaps a God-man, truly had divine ability, had some unique heavenly authority. He maybe really was a messenger from God. He watches Jesus fail to stop this immoral woman from approaching him. But what Simon doesn't know is that we serve a God who loves to be approached. We serve a God who loves to be approached. We serve a God who has poured out compassion on us and deeply desires that nothing hold us back from pouring out our compassion on him. We serve a creator that wants nothing to be created before him so much that we'll take our most prized possession, right? Pour it on his feet and say, God, there's nothing better than you, God. There's nothing more valuable to me than you, God. I love you more than actions can express God. I'm dirty, I'm unworthy, but you inhabited the earth for me. You went to the cross for me. You made a way for me for no other reason other than the fact that you love me. So Jesus, you can have my finances. You can have my marriage. You can have my desires. You can have my friendship. Here's my oil. You can have everything. You're worthy. You're worthy. What I got ain't much. But you can have it all. This woman had the audacity to swing open the door, throw off the fear of man, break the social customs, risk public humiliation to get to the lover of her soul. In the text, it doesn't tell us how she knew. but, But there's something convicting her. There's something prompting this woman something stirring in her so strongly, something so strongly in her spirit that she can't even hold back the tears as she approaches Jesus. She has to have an idea of who this man is and what he's going to do or what he's done. We don't know if she heard him preach. We don't know if the spirit gave a revelation of who Jesus was. But what we do know is she didn't let anything hold her back from walking through that door, even when she didn't belong. And as I was thinking on this, contemplating this, even as I was putting the message together this week, 
I think the Holy Spirit whispered to my heart that there's people in here who are too scared to enter the room. And maybe some of y'all feel like I felt on a Christian campus. You look around the room and you see a bunch of pretty people with well-behaved kids and nice cars and a clean house and white teeth. And you think, yeah, I believe Jesus loved them. Some of y'all are standing outside the house, looking in, watching Jesus eat with clean people, standing outside the door, desperate to be with him too. Everyone's labeled you. Maybe you've labeled yourself immoral, unworthy. But if you only knew how bad Jesus wanted you to walk in the room. Jesus. You don't know what I've done. Jesus, you don't know how many people I've been with. Jesus, you don't know how I've hurt people. Jesus, you don't know how bad this addiction is. Jesus, you don't, but the heart of the Father is to see you come in the room. Some of y'all need to quit standing outside the door and come in the room and say, Jesus, it ain't much, but I'm going to give you everything that I have. Because no one else is worthy like you're worthy. Nobody else loves me like you love me. My talent, my time, and my treasure couldn't be safer anywhere than on your feet. Simon says she's a sinner. And what Simon doesn't recognize is her being a sinner doesn't disqualify her from approaching Jesus, but it validates the the need for her to approach him. And I love how Jesus, obviously, he understands this and he he makes effort to explain this to Simon. He says this in verse 41, still still in Matthew 7. Then Jesus told him this story. Simon says, she's a sinner. Jesus says, Simon, I want to tell you a story. Jesus says, a man loaned money to two people. 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Jesus says, Simon, there's two guys. One takes out a big loan. One takes out a little loan. Both can't repay it. Who loved the guy who forgave the debts more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus says, that's it. That's right. And then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, he's not even looking at Simon. He's just looking at the woman, taking interaction, saying, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she's washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she's anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. And the men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sin? 
And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Every week, and I do a lot of weeks, I, I can preach on holy living, righteous living till I'm blue in the face. Come on, we, we got to serve God. We got we to gotta, we gotta give him our best. We, we got to walk this thing out. We can't just talk the talk. We got to walk the walk. And, and that is essential in, in the Christian life. And, and I, man, we need to prioritize holiness. And that is essential in the life of a believer. But until we catch revelation that our righteous living is a response to what we've received rather than something we do to receive from God, we're going to feel like we can't walk in the room. I love Psalm 23, says the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. And even when I walk through the darkest valley, I won't be afraid for you are close behind me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. And he says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Jesus has given us a seat at the table, right? Finishes with you, honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever because he wants us to walk in the room. If you get nothing else from today, I want you to get this. Regardless of what you've done, where you've been, and who you are. The Father wants you in the room. This is his heart. And we know it to be true because he sent his own son to earth, right? To live this perfect life, to be a sacrifice, to take on the sin of the world. And the Father did this in effort to bring humanity to himself. And Jesus, he's not disgusted by this woman. Jesus isn't insecure or embarrassed by this woman. Jesus loves when we let nothing stop us from pursuing him and we come in the room. So back to our story. After this video plays, Cam, if you want to jump up here, that'd be great. So, no, you don't have to play yet. I want to give it an intro. We're sitting in the stands. And uh, here we are at our first wrestling meet. And like, we're so excited to watch, but we're also a little nervous because we're like, this girl's going to just get destroyed, you know? Um, but whatever. Like I said, it builds characters. Good for her. Come on. Uh, so we're fired up, you know, we're nervous, but we're excited. And, and we're watching. We got, you know, we got our Marshall blue on. Um, I, I pull out my camera to watch and, uh, yeah, so let's watch the video and then I'll wrap this thing up. Good. 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 Roll her over. Roll her over. Yeah, let's go. So, um, <laughs> oh, man, 
I literally am watching. I can't believe she's rolling this girl over. I got tears in my eyes. I'm freaking out, trying to keep keep the camera straight. Cannot believe she's winning, and she wins, y'all. And, and so I, I so I cut off the video. But I, I remember Huffs. I think you were there with me this night. Were you? You sitting next to me? Maybe yeah. So so I, I turn the camera off, and I just start running down the bleachers. Like I can't even control myself. They don't even let people on the on the gym floor, and I'm just running down the stairs I just run run to the end and, and she sees me coming and she comes around you have to understand the dynamic here Pastor Josh got to see some of the deepest parts of this she's like at times just wanted nothing to do with us right like don't touch me don't talk to me don't look at me you know she, she's awesome but a teenager though too and, and here I come running down the stairs running to and she sees me I lock eyes with her and she just throws her arms open and, and I can't even believe she's throwing her arms open. I'm like, you want me to hug you? And she's like, yeah. And I just run it at I just scoop her up off the ground and we just celebrate in the Marshfield High School gym. And I set her down. She, she runs off. I turn around. I don't even know where she went. I'm like, <laughs> and, uh, you know, she comes out after, you know, we get in the car, we take her home. She gets in the car first thing. Don't ever pick me up again. <laughs> we got to act like it didn't happen, you know? But it was so, it was so special. There were, there were so many, you know, there were so many moments that we had with this girl. She, she tried out for, for the youth worship team and to watch her do that. I was so proud. I, it just, man, this is awesome that you want to do this. You know, she makes the wrestling team and then she gets on varsity. And then for her to actually win a match was unbelievable. And I'm just, I'm so proud of you. I can't believe you. I, I can't believe you won. <laughs> But you know what was my favorite moment from the whole time she was with us? It wasn't when she won the match. It wasn't when she tried out for the team. It wasn't when she got the good test grade. You, you know what it was? <laughs> when she was vulnerable enough to let down her walls and not let anything stop her. It, it just... <laughs> just ran in my heart. And I just, <laughs> sorry. I just, I just think about this woman walking into this room and it was like, you know, just this, just this, you know, that, that, that dad perspective. I just, I just want you to come in the room. You know, sometimes I, sometimes I think as, as Christians, we get up in this thought of <laughs> we, we, we got the Lord watching in the stands and we're in our wrestling match and we win thinking, aren't you proud? I won. Don't, don't you see what I'm doing? Am I, am I good enough now? Do you, am I, can I come in the room now? Do you, lo- do you love me now? Right? And, and, and not that I'm saying the Lord doesn't care if we sin, but it's like, man, it, whether you want or not was really relevant. I just wanted you to, you just run into my arms was, was good enough for me. And, and when I read the story of the sinful woman that anoints Jesus, when, when I read Jesus' words to Simon about the forgiven debt, 
It really puts things back into perspective for me as a believer. And I'm so encouraged by Jesus's compassion for the immoral woman, but I'm also challenged by the pursuit of Jesus that she has, the pursuit of Jesus that she displays. And I keep, I kept reflecting on, on, on the message from a, a couple of weeks ago when we talked about hell and to think about how at the end of this life, y'all, we're all going to face judgment and we're all going to be held accountable for what we did and what we didn't do. And there's, and there's going to be a time where we have to, you know, to, to pay for the sins. And because of Jesus, for us believers, it's going to say that part's covered. That part's paid for. We're innocent. Someone else paid the cost. word says those who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. And I think some of us just get confused thinking I, I gotta I gotta get it right. I, I gotta act right. I, I gotta get I gotta get ritually clean before before I come in the room and eat with you guys. And and you know what? This this immoral woman proves that not to be true. No 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 Jesus just wants you to come in the room. <laughs> I just wonder if there's some of us standing outside the door looking in saying, man, I want to go. I want to go in there. Jesus is saying, come. Jesus is saying, come. We talked about it a couple weeks ago, but, you know, at the end of this life, for real, you know, judgment is, is coming to all of us. And I know that's kind of a Sharp, but man, ever, ever since, you know, we've had that talk about hell, there's been a new urgency in me and, I, and hopefully in you that we're, we're going to come and, you know, y'all, we are, we are storing up wrath every day that we live. And if y'all are anything like me, you're broken and you're sinful and you're selfish and we need a savior. And, and on a day we are going to stand before our judge, Jesus, and, and he's going to say, okay, you did some good, you, you did some good things, but also there were, there were some bad things here. And someone is going to pay for the sin, the crime, the, the, the rebellion that we've lived out. Someone's going to pay for it. And it will either be us or it will be Jesus. If we place our faith in him, he will wear that for us. And, and, and Jesus came with the message. My father has prepared a place for you. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. And through faith in Jesus, he can make all things new. The old is washed away and we can step into the new. So if you're in the room and you, you haven't given your life to Jesus, you haven't placed faith in Jesus, eternal life, a relationship with him. Not, and this isn't just a relationship that happens when we get there, but through his spirit, he inhabits you. He begins shaping and molding you, right? With eyes closed in the room, with heads bowed. If you're ready to give your life to Jesus, you're ready to run in the room. You're ready to run into his arms. He wants you to come in the room. If that's you, would you put your hand in the air right now? I want to say a prayer with you here, declaring this new faith that we have. Say, man, I'm ready. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.